Welcome to the Legion Outriders podcast. You've got a lot of guts coming here. Your source for the latest Legion news, opinion, and analysis. You must unlearn what you have learned. And now, here's your hosts. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. John Archiquette. Will somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way? Matt Turner. I'm not afraid. And Joshua Gray. You will be. You're listening to the Legion Outriders podcast. It's John, Josh, and Matt here, ready to kick off our second episode. What's going on, guys? John, put that shot collar away. No. Put no. that shot collar away. We had I don't it coming, see it, man. Uh, if it's not the shot collar, it's going to be the restraining bolt. So <laughs> not that, not <laughs> that either. Yeah. So we've uh, we've had some pretty uh, pretty good reception from a lot of our fans out there. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, first of all, I'm shocked at how well received everything's been so far. We seem like we've got a lot of downloads from all over the world. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, it, this is the point where you just got to say thank you. Yes. I mean, uh, thanks. To, you know, we wouldn't be doing this if we, you know, if we released this and there was kind of like, eh, it's all right, I guess. And then it's like, well, you know, okay, we'll try and make it better. But you know, I got to say, you know, the, the the reaction that I've seen on on our Facebook page and a bunch of other places is is overwhelmingly positive. So thank you. We appreciate all of your feedback. We've we've def- we'll definitely take that to heart and and make some uh, make some adjustments. We're still feeling it out. So thanks for being with us and we hope you enjoy episode number 2 certainly. Yeah. No, uh, not everybody can attain these levels of adequacy. So <laughs> we put the media in mediocrity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think it speaks a lot too to how well the uh, the hype for Legion's going oh, because God, yeah. We're seeing people downloading not only just, you know, from this area or from the United States. We're seeing, you know, non-English speaking countries. Got, we got several downloads in Sweden. We've got, you know, a big community in France and Germany. So, And I, Ireland. Yeah, and Ireland, too. They, they speak English, English there for the most no, part. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that is a very important distinction to make. Yes, we understand you're Irish, not English. We yeah. get it. Actually, that, that, that's an no, achievement in itself. Depending on which part of Ireland, I guess. You have, you have the Six Nations <laughs> Cup going on right now. And if, uh, if you're actually pulling Irish... And, well, I mean, anybody in the British Islands away from uh, watching the Six Nation Cup to actually listen to us for an hour, that's pretty impressive. Is, is, that, a, is that a rugby reference? It's rugby. It's okay, rugby. yeah, yeah, my, yeah. my <laughs> eyes started glazing over. It's either rugby or, like, hurling, one of the two. I'm not sure. but Both are awesome sports. You yes, know. they are. But, yeah, to take an hour out of your, out of your rugby time to, to listen to our podcast. We greatly appreciate that. So we got a lot of stuff. We were supposed to wait, you know, two weeks for our next podcast, but... I think all three of us were in agreement that we got a lot of things to talk about. There's so much stuff now. We, just, we can't wait another week. Yeah, I mean, and you run the risk if, you know, when you want to be current. So the rules dropped on Monday. You know, if we wait until next week, middle of next week, to release an episode, uh, you're not really striking while the iron's hot on that. Wait, one. we have rules now? Wait, rules? <laughs> Rule, no rules. Just right. Well, it's, oh, okay. it's, you know, timeliness is next to godliness, right? That, is, that is, is. That what or that cleanliness, is? Uh, yeah, or something like that. You yeah. should really look into the cleanliness <laughs> aspect. <you know? laughs> oh, we got so much stuff to talk about this. We've got some hobby talk. We've got uh, some discussion about some of the things that are going on in the. Uh, you know, we talk about the positive feedback that we've gotten, but man, some of these Legion fans out there. Are, uh, they're vitriolic, to say the least. I tell you what, there were some very strong reactions out there in the community to some of the uh, the rules interpretations and, and, and some of the wordings on some things. So, yeah, we'll definitely chat about that. And, of course, some of those uh, those rule discussions that you know, are raising these controversies. We're going we're gonna to pour through the rule book. We've got you know, the, the Learn to Play guy, which, of course, got released over the past week. Was it Monday or Monday. Tuesday? Monday. So we've got you know, all things to talk about through that. We actually have some, some text that we can actually look over. <laughs> in open rules te- or open book test for it. So going into the hobby talk, we've got you know 
just full excitement going on right now for getting some actual terrain on the board. And I've been tackling some uh, some Tupperware projects that, I, <laughs> that I've gotten. You posted some pictures up, right? Uh, yeah, we got a couple pictures up there. Um, we're going to put together a little step-by-step tutorial, basically, on how to turn you know, a $4 box of Tupperware from, uh, from Target into some some usable terrain for uh, for you know Tatooine bases or you know Hoth wherever you want to do, but uh, you know that's just for the terrain building. Of course, what everyone really wants to get into, I think, is putting the models together. And Josh, you've been testing out a couple of your paint schemes, right? Yeah, I mean traditionally I've always done. You know, I've never played the the, the more realistic war games like uh, Bolt Action and stuff like that, so I don't have to worry about you know historical. Uh, paint schemes, I can go and do something that's a little bit more creative, a little bit more to my own personality. Um, so every time, uh, you know, when I, in X-Wing, I've always repainted everything and worked with a kind of a base black palette with a, kind of a purple, gray, silver, green look to it for, for all of the uh, uh, trim and accent colors. Um, so, of course, the first thing I wanted to do, you know, I, I, I knew I didn't want to do the standard, what everybody else is going to do, standard stormtroopers. So I started to look and go, oh, how am I going to make this happen? Um, so I, I, I got a hold of some Imperial Imperial Assault Stormtroopers. Um, You're like, hey, I need to desecrate these models. Exactly, <laughs> right? Yes. You know, well, I mean, because, I mean, the, the nice thing about Stormtroopers, they don't care about tactical, you know. Glossy white armor is not tactical in any environment that you're going to be in, except maybe snow. It's a cloud, you know? cloud city. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah, sure, there. <laughs> but, you know, it's like you're running around Endor in gleaming white armor. It's like, that's not very tactical. Uniforms so, are terrifying. Though, yeah, exactly. So. And, and, you know, that's kind of the thing for the Empire. It's like, we don't need to hide. No, <laughs> no, we're just going to steamroll you. So, so I, I uh, grabbed uh, grabbed a, a can of my old trusty standby Chaos Black and uh, shot those three Imperial Assault minis, and I uh, painted one in gray base to to maybe see how that looked. Um, but then uh, the the two black ones that I had, I kind of did kind of a you know took the took the shoulder pauldrons and painted those purple and uh, did some trim work purple and kind of made it like a standard military kind of look. Uh, but the other one and the one that uh, you know just put pictures of both of these ones up on up on our Facebook group. Uh, the other one I did was kind of more of a slash digital camo kind of look. It's not the best. It was just kind of a Sunday proof of concept kind of thing. Like okay, can that can I do this? And I was pretty happy with the results. Um, um, you know, and so so I'm gonna get some new brushes and kind of refine that a little bit more as we wait for release. And I think that's what I'm gonna go. And then with for the vehicles, I'm gonna go with uh, what's called a splinter camo. Um, if you haven't seen some of like the, the the jets, fighter jets that are out there that are in that splinter, it's a very geometric um, three color scheme that that kind of breaks everything up. It's oh, pretty- so you can use that that gray that gray purple pink kind of palette that you're right. doing. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be like for the ATST, it's gonna be a, a black base with a purple and gray kind of ge- geometric shapes, triangles and dodecahedrons or whatever. Pink hearts, um, yep. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> that, exactly. Yes, sir. So that's what I'm going to do. That's, that, that's what I'm working on. So you're kind of taking the, uh, the concept from the, the U.S. Navy, taking a, a completely nonsensical camouflage pattern. That happens sure, to look cool. Sure, yeah, <laughs> uh, whatever. But I, I saw the pictures that you got that you did, and I have to I have to say I I'm pretty impressed. I, I like the 
I like the, uh, the different, you know, differentiation from what you'd expect from your standard stormtroopers. You know, and if there's anybody out there that's looking to do the normal, um, the kind of the standard stormtrooper, standard rebel trooper look, um, Sarastro's painting. He, he's a he's a painter. Got a channel on YouTube. Does a lot of uh, does a lot of Imperial assault. Does a lot of uh, I think he does a lot of 40k stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he today he started dropping his. He's already done his alliance. Uh, his rebels. He started dropping all of his uh, all of his imperials today. So uh, each tutorial is about twenty minutes long. I watch it and it's like watching black black magic and voodoo. I don't really understand <laughs> how he does that, but he waves a brush around and gets like perfection. Um, so I'm I'm very impressed. But you know, I would definitely give that channel a, a, a check if you're looking at doing something more standard. Yeah, I've seen a few of those videos he's done, and they're it's they're phenomenal. Yeah. I also uh, I want to point out that I just heard Josh call them the Rebel Alliance, not yeah, not terrorists. Not terrorists. Wow. I, you know, every every yeah. once in a while you've got to you know you, you got to keep it on the down low. I feel like, mm. like he's, he's growing up right before our eyes. <laughs> Rebel You're expanding. Scum. Expanding as a person, where you couldn't be more proud. <laughs> I'm emerging. <laughs> so Matt, what kind of uh, what kind of Star Wars news we got coming out lately? Oh boy, a uh, little bit. Uh, we're we're ramping up to the series finale for Rebels. Uh, the most recent two episodes aired on Monday, and the last three will be coming out this Friday, March 5th. So very, very bittersweet, but uh, I still haven't seen the most recent two, but uh, I've heard really good stuff. No uh, spoilers. Yeah, no, no spoilers, <laughs> Definitely not. please. Single tier. It's ending. Also, it seems that uh, Mr. Mark Hamill himself is getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, uh, that they're having a ceremony March 8th. So I think it's to uh, canonize his role as Cockknocker. And, uh, Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, Funny you should ask that. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, apparently there was a big pat- uh, patch for Star Wars Battlefront 2, introducing uh, some new maps, new game modes, and jetpacks everywhere. So if you play that, apparently there's some fun going on there. Is that free or is that going to cost, what, like an arm and a leg and your uh, firstborn child? Man. <laughs> The, the, those EA guys. I don't know. I actually haven't updated in a while. I haven't played it, but uh, I, I think this is a free one because they're still pandering. I mean, the, <laughs> the rumor mill is still that uh, Disney might be shopping around that Star Wars license to other publishers. So really? I think EA is doing probably the best they can to re-ingratiate themselves. I mean, so this is all just rumors. We're not like reporting this as hard fact. But Could you imagine how cool it would be if Bethesda got a hold of that license and did like a Fallout Star Wars kind oh, of I'm game? Oh, sure, lots of hard so Skyrims. Yeah. Oh. I, would, I would actually probably play that. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to picking flowers in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think the, the ones I heard were uh, Activision was in okay. there okay. and uh, yeah. Ubisoft. So, so some big players. Yeah, yeah, but uh, we'll see, we'll see. But that's that's kind of the Star Wars news right now. Well, I, I know when that game came out, there was a lot of uh, you know community backlash and everything what? at EA. And, I, I didn't hear anything about that. You know, I, I, sometimes I just don't understand, like you know, what's with uh, so many you know angry people on the internet. And then would people uh, go to the internet <laughs> just to be outraged about something? You know, 2018, you'd think that everyone would be past that, but no, I guess not. That seems to be it <laughs> uh, seems to be everyone's forum for uh, venting. But uh, apparently Star Wars Legion's kind of fallen victim to that too lately, huh? Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, the rules just came out this week, so people are getting, for the first time, uh, to go through and look through, see if their expectations are meeting 
with what's uh, coming out in print? And, well, what's, what in specific has been sparking the most? So the biggest thing that I saw when I was looking on the, the – there's a Facebook group for Star Wars Legion. It's got about 4,500 people on it, so it's a fairly sizable yeah. group, you know. And you get that many people online in the same place talking about something. There's going to be a lot of strong strong opinions. And, and you know, it, nobody ever wants to hear the other – you know, everyone wants to hear the other viewpoint um, – but the the true line of sight rule was yeah. the one thing that was really uh, generating a lot of gnashing of teeth on there. There were some people that like the model volume. Um, There's some people that like true line of sight. They're like, oh yeah, that's how this game does it, or that's how War Machines does it, or you know. Uh, but nobody would ever come to a consensus. And within about I don't know four or five hours, it just devolved into meme wars and you're a moron and. Uh, it, w- well, it was really discouraging. Yeah, you no. know, uh, obviously because the game's not even out yet. Why don't we take a step back though, and let's take a look at basically what they're talking about. We'll assume John has no idea what we're talking about because he probably <laughs> doesn't. Good assumption. <laughs> <laughs> so true line of sight basically means, uh, and as it's laid out in the rule book, you take the center point of the model, the top point there, and then you, if you want to, you can kind of get an eye uh, point of view down there, look over it, and seeing what that model can actually see on the board, and then that's what he can attack. Whereas with uh, the, the volumetric, the, uh, the, the standardized volume-sized, uh, there's uh, War Machine does this. Basically, if you've got a medium-sized base, it's good for like two inches or something like that off the base, uh, including the entire base size. Uh, large bases are five inches. I'm just making these numbers up, uh, et cetera. So you have more of a standardized. So it, there's pros and cons for both systems, I think. Well, I think part of the reason you're seeing so many, you know, conversations, to put it lightly, um, between, you know, all these Star Wars Legion players is because we're coming from different communities. Mm. You've got some people who come strictly from X-Wing. You've got a lot of people who come from 40K. But then you've got, you know, War Machine, Bolt Action, Infinity, and every one of these uses a different system, a different mechanic in order to measure the line of sight. And I think you're starting to see some people who are saying, well, this was better in this, and this worked better in this, but we don't know how it's going to work. People are bringing a lot of baggage with them to this discussion. See, and I don't necessarily even mind that, because everybody has their preferences. But, you know, like you said, everybody's coming from a different community. But, and this is going to kind of sound, you know, very rah-rah, but we're now the Legion community. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't be petty like this towards each other because, you know, you look at the Facebook group and like I said, hey, 4,500 is a, a fair amount of people, but it ain't that much, mm-hmm. you know, and there's still people who are still getting on board and there's still people who are saying, oh, the rules are out. Oh, hey, I actually like this. Hey, let's find this Facebook. Oh, geez. No, yeah. no. Uh-uh. I'm going to go back to 40K. <laughs> no thanks because, and yeah, I mean, I, it's like not like 40K is like the bastion of civility all the time, oh, right? God. If you ever if you ever walk into a forum between 40K and 30K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, if I'm a new player and maybe I'm looking for something to be, you know, a game that I can get on the ground floor and, and build that sense of community and we're all in this together and then and then all I see is that, you know, everybody's fangs out at each other. It's like, eh, I, I think we can be a lot better than that. Let, let's get some games on the board before we start tearing into each other. And to be fair, it's probably just a very small percentage of those people that are, you know, venting their frustration in a very maybe negative manner. But uh, there were some reasonable thought out posts as well. You know, oh, this is, you know, what I experienced and I think this works well. The the people that are like, well, I'm going to absolutely do everything I can to modify my guys so they can abuse the rules as they are written right now. <laughs> Before we even have like a solid tournament doc or anything like that saying, okay, well, 
probably going to be you can't modify past you know the poses that are on there something like that uh, they have very similar rules for x-wing you can't modify the bases you can't do anything that might affect how they're actually played in the game with arc uh, arcs of fire and uh, movement pegs and all that i don't think they're going to let you do too much to affect them and, and, and here's the point where you got to start considering bringing up the restraining bolts and the shot collar oh no you know okay. if that's your reaction if your reaction is to go, well, I'm going to look at the rules and cheese it as much as I can. I'm going to make all my guys prone, and I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm going to modify my guys so I can circumvent all this. There's no room for that. You know, you're, you're, you're pushing plastic toys across the table, okay? <laughs> I love to win more than anybody else. But if that's your reaction, get over yourself, man. I, yeah. that's, there, I, I don't think there's any room for that. You know, like we would say in X-Wing, fly better. <laughs> yeah. No, I think in those kind of people, it doesn't matter what system they're on. They're going to find the most abusive list build, you know, interaction of rules, modifying for bonus. They're, they're going to find a way to do it anyways, and there's not a lot you can do about it other than, oh, this guy's got a reputation for doing this. Maybe I don't want to play him. You know, if it's in a tournament, judges are going to find you out pretty quick. So, But from a hobbyist standpoint, it, it kind of changes the way I want to do things as well because in – 40k one of the things i like to use to to model my figures i like using foam board or not sorry uh cork board like cork board is really easy to kind of break apart and make it look like rocks so if you put a layer of cork board down on top of the plastic base put your model on top of it you can kind of create a a cool scenic look but for a game like this that's going to change things well and and i think there's um i i think there's two ways to go at that you know i think there's minor mods for for cosmetic purposes sure like sure i get that but like when you're talking about doing a modification that is solely intended to give you a competitive advantage, that's cheese to me. Yeah. No, adding a layer of rocks to your base probably isn't going to affect that 50% rule for getting cover from barricades and things like that. I can't imagine that that would do that or your, well. But, in, but until we see it, some, but. you know, hard evidence or, you know, some document from yeah. FFG stating, you know, you cannot modify your base, you know, height at all. I'm not going to do it. Hopefully they'll be pretty quick on that. But we're also, so speaking of the baggage coming from other games, like 40K, where you've got flags and all sorts of giant models that, you know, oh, I see that sticking out from behind that building, so I'm going to shoot that. Didn't they come out and say that those kind of non-essential pieces aren't legal targets? So I would expect something similar. Not that we have anything even remotely close to that announced for Legion yet. Well, it seems like Legion is kind of trying to move into a, like a, a better sense of realism than what we saw yeah. for from 40K, especially 8th edition 40K, where they've kind of, you know, eschewed realism for having a quicker-playing, beginner-friendly game. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, that's an entire bit debate into itself that I don't even want to get into. But it seems like they are trying to be fairly realistic. So, you know, I, we should take it upon ourselves as gamers to not try to break the system. You know, and kind of what you were talking about, Matt, you know, there's not a whole lot of modifications you can add to give yourself a competitive advantage. Right. But, hey, it's a line of sight game. Line of sight's measured from the top of the head. So if you were going to take a really big peaky commissar hat and put it on your Darth oh Vader, God, you know, please maybe. So it looks like maybe I'm not going to be doing please, that after please all. Please do that so I can <laughs> shoot your freaking head off. That See, would be and, great. You know, but that's the thing. Like, like. I will take that knowing that, hey, maybe that makes me taller and Sith Lords don't care. You know, <laughs> I, I would do that because it gives me a tactical disadvantage, too. And I don't think, I don't know if that would, but, but I'm not doing it. I'm doing it for fun. I'm not doing it for a, for a competitive advantage. Yeah. You know, like some guys are talking about, like, you know, modifying all of their guys so they're laying prone on the ground. It's like, 
Meh. And yeah, there's some some trade off with that. You can't, you know, I can't see you, but you can't see me. Uh, you conversely turns into I can't shoot you, you can't shoot me. Um, but I, I just think that's a really petty way to look at a rules release that's been out for you know 12 hours, and that's the that's the reaction that you have to it. Yeah, I think that just basically falls along the lines of you know, are you a win at all cost gamer? Are you a casual gamer who just wants to have fun? You know, that's where it really kind of breaks down on those lines. Yeah, I'm 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 competitive, but I I fully subscribe to X Wings fly casual mantra. You know, I mean, you know, winning it at everything, and again, it's a game where you're plastic pushing space wizards with laser swords around. Come on, <laughs> I just man. want to play with my toys and have exactly. fun. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I think with having a three-dimensional game, you know, it, it changes it up from X-Wing because X-Wing, in being a two-dimensional game, you're not really changing the elevation. It's not going to make a huge difference. But You can put your Falcon on 15 pegs. It's not going to really matter at all. Yeah. But, yeah, but the part that does matter, you're not allowed to modify at all, yeah. period, dot. And I think we'll have those kind of blanket statements from Fantasy Flight pretty soon here. Yeah. So don't start chopping up your stormtroopers to try to get them to, you know, belly crawl across the field. And, and I'm sure FFG being FFG, they're going to come out with alternate sculpts of stormtroopers, you know, oh, so sure not everybody's be. the same. Yeah. You know, cha-ching. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about some of the other rules that are coming out, you know, we, we brushed on the, the true line of sight. Um, what are we looking at, you know, other things that perhaps we assumed going into, you know, the little bit of rules releases that were, you know, put out piecemeal, things that we know now are a little bit different. So I know one thing that, uh, that we talked about a little bit was the, uh, the displacement. Now, that was one thing that kind of caused some controversy with, uh, with the, jet, the, the speeder bikes and the T-47. Yeah, and I, I think they might have a uh, misunderstanding. We're actually just looking up the rules for this. The only time that repulsor vehicles can displace is during their compulsory move. Sure, they, they might have a fast one, but the fact that the defender gets to replace the guys uh, that got displaced in cohesion, I don't know how you... It would be really tough, I think, to use it for a tactical advantage to try to push people out of cohesion. So, eh. The one thing that, that, that I'm kind of unclear on, and, and maybe maybe I missed it, you know, so if, if you're out there listening and, and these two guys don't didn't see it, you know, please let us know, you know, yeah. get, get on our Facebook and on our Twitter, let me know I'm an idiot. Yeah, most um, of us have just read through this maybe once, so uh, we're, we're trying to reference as we go, but I'm sure we're going to mess some stuff the, up. The one thing, when you start talking about displacement and reestablishing cohesion and thing like things like that, mm-hmm. and maybe it was in a really, and I just missed it, there's no... There's no listing in there of what happens if you can't make, if you can't put them in displacement. Like it shows in there, like if I if if I put my guy all the way around this wall, but he couldn't make a speed one move to get there, you can't put him there. But if there's no legal place for me to put somebody in displacement, what happens? Like hmm. does the guy die? Like what's no, what's no. the? It doesn't. I I could not find anywhere that covered that. Um, I couldn't find do some anywhere on that. It, like, like with the T forty seven, if uh, if if your ATST gets pivoted and it pivots off the board, and you can't make a move to get back on the board, are you dead? Well, what happens? Yeah, you know, in other games I, I didn't, that you can I didn't it. see that. You know, in X wing, if like the the smallest sliver of your base goes off the mat, you're you're dead. That's it. No, that's the same in this. If Is you it leave the same mat, in this? Okay, yeah, um, and maybe I just missed it, but I didn't. see I think that. that's in the larger rules compendium. Okay, so uh, there, yeah, there's a lot of but extra I, info in there. I didn't see anything in there about what happens if you cannot put a person in displacement. 
or in cohesion. That's got to be it, – it's, it's so flexible, though. I can't imagine that's going to be too much of a problem. Uh, so maybe we're just making more of a, you know – mountain out of that than mm-hmm. it might be uh, hey how about we get some reps in with the game and then see how it plays out if it's going to come up i'm sure it probably will you know an infinite amount of monkeys with typewriters kind sure. of <laughs> but especially in a game where you expect to have some competitive play involved you know you're going to get some rules lawyers out there and you want to make sure that you know somebody you're you know whoever the to is is going to make sure that they they know the letter of the law and i yeah. think you're going to see a lot of that with a lot of the 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 learn to play stuff that's going to come out after march 8th you know, because FFG, they, they've still got their ear to the floor, and they're going to be listening on, to feedback and stuff like that. It wouldn't surprise me if we see a companion fact that comes out with the the full release that kind of starts clarifying a lot of oh, these sure. things. They're saying, hey, we did this on this board, and we couldn't do this. Help? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and props to FFG. They've been very, very responsive. Uh, Alex Davey, in, in particular, has been very responsive um, to rules questions just in the – just since this came out on Monday. That's you know, awesome. A lot of folks had questions like, okay, if I have five stormtroopers with impact grenades, since since uh, keywords are cumulative, is this attack now impact five if they all throw them? And somebody's like, no, it can't be because it's only five points. And, and it's to be really fair, cheap. I was with that. I was like, no, it's, yeah. it's only going to give you an impact one, period. But Somebody emailed Alex Davey and said, yeah. hey, help. And he said, yep, it's impact five. So, and a lot of people are like, I don't like that, you know, but, you know, to me, if you're going to go and close assault a unit of stormtroopers on an armored thing, on, on an armored unit, it, trying to chuck grenades you, within you range one, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to get stomped all over. Yeah. So good luck with that. It's bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it works out for them. It's, it's a nice kind of five point upgrade that gives you a little bit of flexibility. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be your primary battle plan, hopefully, because getting your guys up the board to that range. And then you're not going to get the, the most out of probably because you've got your two actions. You're probably moving up, throwing your grenade so you're not getting your precise keyword because you don't have aim tokens unless you're getting from something else. All these different things can affect that, how effective it's going to be on the field. It does make a nice little rain one punch, though, because instead of throwing five white, you're throwing five black, you know. Um, yeah. The black dice are better, so, they, you know. They it, definitely are. It is an offensive upgrade. It's just, man, whew. <laughs> but is it, is it going to be getting there? Yeah, is it going to be your primary offensive, you know, mode of attack? Is the question? Yeah. So with uh, with FFG, you know, with they're responding quickly to you know inquiries and and things like that. I, I think that really is going to help benefit the community going forward because Absolutely. having having a game maker that actually you know is proactive in their response to things. Yes. It's something that GW is just learning now, and for a long time was one of the, their biggest hindrances. You know, you want you want to know that that we, people are taking advantage of social media and, and actually getting out there and, and putting out, you know, what the official ruling is supposed to be. Yeah, and you know, FFG's really good with that. That's that's one thing that that they did in X Wing too. You know, they're not going to sit there, and, and every developer is not going to sit there and answer every single little minutia question. But if there's something that's like a no kidding meta help kind of thing, because yeah. everybody's flying this. And it's either abusive or overpowered or something like that. You know, the, 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 the developers will come in and say, well, here's the deal. Uh, which is good. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a healthy thing for a game, I think. You should never have to have a rules as written versus rules as intended argument for too long. If, if there's a, a serious, you know, question about how the rule was actually intended, I feel like that should be something that should be addressed as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, they continue that, uh, that good line of communication going mm-hmm. forward. 
Well, back to the original premise. Uh, I got to say, <laughs> one of the things that I r really caught me off guard, and I think a lot of people were doing this wrong, was the defining the battlefield. Yeah, that's, with the, the cards that's that something you... that's completely new to, to Star Wars Legion that we haven't seen really. From, I don't. From I can't think of game. another game that's done something like this. Uh, not that I've played them all, but uh, just having the different uh, for those that are that have the guide in front of them, it's the defining the battlefield callout uh, on page six. But uh, basically, you've got your stacks of cards. You build them up, and I think there's like four cards for each. There's objective, deployment, and conditions. And you lay them out after you shuffle in. You lay the top three out from left to right. So you've got your objective in the top row, followed by your deployment, uh, and then, then conditions. So the fact that there are extra cards that aren't going to be used in every game means that the games are going to have a lot more variety with them, with uh, whatever the objective might be. So planning around those kind of things is going to be probably encourage players to have a more balanced list instead of counting on, okay, this is going to be, I'm not going to have shooting during the, fir the first range, so I'm going to pick the, uh, the heavy battlefield fog or whatever effect it is uh, so I can get my melee guys up there when my Wookiee warriors hit the table or something. But uh, the, the cool part is that you then act to go through like a ban, like a rotating ban between the other players. So you pick one of the cards like, ah, I don't want to do that one. And it can be from any of the three fields. But basically, after you get two picks for disqualifying battlefield conditions, you pick the leftmost card, and that informs you how you build your board. I love that. I, like, adding that layer of strategy, especially from an organized play perspective, because in organized play, you're playing your opponent just as much as you're, you know, moving things around. It's it's knowing your opponent and, and especially in the local scene, you know, it's knowing, okay, this guy, he really likes this kind of a deployment, so uh -uh, that goes away right now. Um, I, I think that's great. And I think that 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 adds in that that turn zero layer of strategy to this game. Yeah. That that I think there's a lot of other games that are just really missing. Um, and, and adding to that, you know, a game like 40K, you play 40K and you show up and you get your opponent and there's the board and there's the buildings that are already out there. All of the terrain is off to the side when you start this game. That's awesome. I love that. That competitively, I'm going to place, okay... Mm, okay, we've got our conditions. Now we're going to define the battlefield, and here's where things actually go. And I get three obstacles, or however many it is, and yeah. you get three obstacles, and we're going to place it to define a battlefield, and then we deploy based off of that. I love everything about that. And, and that's one of the things I think FFG really gets right in its games. Yeah, no, they definitely give you the, the leeway to have a nice, tight tournament experience. But you don't always have to follow that. Like, if you've got a friendly game, uh, John, I know you like playing, so you can set up something. This is Moss Eisley. This is how the buildings would be set up. We're going to build from there. Sure, and you can do scenarios and things as well. You know, if you've got, you know, say the Jawa's sail barge, you know, you could, you know, or... Jabba's. Not Jawas. <laughs> the Jawa sail barge would be something. Would it be a crawler would with, be a, like, would be a lot smaller, yeah. I would imagine. <laughs> but, yeah, if you've got Jabba's sail barge, you know, I saw this uh, absolutely beautiful four-foot-long one that they're making. It's, like, 500 bucks. But imagine doing, like, a scenario where you've got that and, you know, one end of the table and maybe you have to assault Jabba's sail barge or something. You know, you can have things that aren't necessarily randomly set up. But I think it still adds a lot to the gameplay. Like oh, no, I think, and I think a lot of people in the Facebook group for Legion saw there's a gentleman that's making, like, a forest moon scenario pack. 
It looks oh, yeah. really yeah. cool. Some of the yeah, some of the fan made uh, scenarios and condition cards are really cool. And it's only going to get better. Yeah, the fact that there's yeah. fan made content already is just yeah. awesome. It's like yeah. this is so great. Yeah, a lot of people excited. Yeah, one thing I really like about the defining the battlefield concept, uh, you know, with 40k at least, because that's where I have the most frame of reference. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can have your entire army list almost negated by a bad scenario. And that's all it's all random. You know, it's the D six roll and say you've got, you know, an army where you run a lot of multiple small units. If it's something where you get kill points for losing each individual unit, all of a sudden, well, you're at a huge disadvantage and you're probably gonna lose. Now granted if you're a good you know, part of being a, a good war gamer is being able to overcome, you know, adversity on the battlefield, but you know, having that strategic element in, in actually setting the game up itself, I think it adds a little bit more to the skill. Yeah, and it just makes you add a little bit more care to how you're going to build your lists. You know, if you know what's in the deck and know what kind of ad- objectives you might be up against, you know, that that's going to impact, you know, like what I've been building so far, just with no frame of reference, I'm like, ah, oh, three units of stormtroopers, that's all I need, and then we're going to do this. Okay, there's five objectives to secure. Maybe three. Three units of infantry is not going to be enough here, you know. So once we start seeing all of those cards, I think you're going to see a big, you know, everybody's theory crafting their lists right now. I think you're going to be see a, you're going to see a big shift based off of once people get their hands on the objective cards and can oh, see sure. what you've got to build for. You know, maybe it's six units of stormtroopers. You know, that might be your army with with you know uh, Darth Vader and maybe a section of speeder bikes. And yeah, now that we have the rules, you know pretty well flushed out it, it changes i think how a lot of people were looking at building their army lists too because you know we knew that objectives were going to play a big part and you know troops but yeah it seems like having you know troops is a little bit more important i you, you, know, you can throw two atsts out there feasibly in an 800 point game and still make a usable playlist but is it really going to be advantageous to you? Yeah, and I think a lot of people, especially in light of that Impact 5, you know, it's a five-point upgrade on a squad. That's almost an auto-include now, you know, yeah. to me. That's, that's, I'm, not even, I'm not even questioning whether it's concussion grenades or impact grenades. It's going to be impact grenades. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, just because, you know, it's five points and you get a range one punch with, with black dice. Okay, let's do it. And I think one other thing, that one, one other rule clarification that we've got um, that makes the you know the core troops even more powerful is the uh, the attack dice pooling right oh yeah no um there's a lot of people that were concerned about this i know that this was part of the discussion and people kind of came down into two camps it's basically a so we we like to use the rocket launcher you know that's one of the big flashy unit upgrades it gives you impact three for an upgrade People are like, okay, well, why is my E11 benefiting from these keywords? You know, why am I getting impact on an E11? That doesn't make any sense. Because what's happening as you create your attack pool, all of those weapons in the attack pool share the keywords. So you've got five E11 shots, you've got three rocket launcher shots. You can modify the regular hits into crits up to three, up to the impact of that weapon. So let's say your black dice just completely blank out and, well, you got uh, three hits on your E11s. Now they're upgraded to crits. People are like, well, that's not realistic. Other people are saying, hey, they're just streamlining the game. They're making it simple. One of the big things to keep in mind, though, is that if you split your pool of fire, you do not share those keywords, only the keywords that are in that pool. So let's say I've got my E11s shooting at some rebels, uh, some troops, and the other ones are doing uh, the the rocket launchers going after an ATRT. Those E11s lose the access to those impact. Not that you really need them for the rebel troops, but 
if you split your pool up, you only get the keywords in that pool. I'm kind of of two minds of this because uh-huh. I agree with the premise, at least the basic theory that it's kind of kind of cheesy to to give lasers the armor piercing. I don't think it's that much of a streamlining thing to throw one attack uh, one attack pool and just say, okay, I can only apply that impact to these dice here. Uh, yeah. You know, but I, I do get it where it is a streamlined thing because what you might end up doing then is you've got okay, well I'm going to throw three black dice and we're going to resolve that attack and then kind of the way they they do it in 40k, it's like you you resolve all weapons separately. Yeah. That's just going to take forever. It takes yeah. a long time. But it does. Where, where I also see it streamlining is on like weapons types and yeah. and and somebody put this example up on Reddit and I thought it was I thought it was really good. You know, if you're if you're shooting the main armament of an ATST and then the anti-personnel laser cannon on an ATST, the main armament is two red, two black, two white, impact three, I think. And then the laser cannon is one red, one black, one white, impact one. Okay, four, you know, three red, three black, three white, impact four, do it. You know, it, but yeah. it's like weapons types. You know, they're both laser weapons. They both are armor piercing. You know, it, it's, it's, it, it makes more sense. Um... I, I I was really against it the first time I saw it. When I saw it in in some of the leaked photos, I was like, eh, I don't like this. I think they I've come of, around to it. Yeah, I think they kind of have to do it that way because uh, we, we see disparity right now. With okay, what okay? Let's say you've got your your rocket launcher, and then you actually are throwing the same dice with the unit. Like they happen to be black dice as well. They've got like concussion blasters or some crap. So it. If you have to keep separating the dice pool, it slows down like in 40K like John was talking about. Additionally, the cost of the upgrades of these weapons is so... uh, You're basically paying for another unit of troops if you're doing the rocket launcher upgrade. It's a six-turn game. If you miss with those three black dice, that's going to hurt a lot. Well, in addition to that, you also have... The reload with for the rocket launcher, you have a, yeah, a turn yeah. you have to spend to reload. You only get three shots with the rocket launcher, assuming you get to shoot it on turn one. You know, if you don't shoot it on turn one because you've got to reload it, you're only getting two shots because you're reloading on turn six. Well, you could theoretically launch it every turn up to six uh, because you just if you're spend, in place, it's reload, yeah, and shoot, exactly. reload, shoot, reload. If you're shoot, not moving, sure. yeah, we talked about this a little bit last okay. episode, but because uh, it, it really does change how you play those units with what upgrades they have on them. I think it's a good balance because it makes the it makes the weapon worth taking without making it a must take. Yeah. So I mean, like anybody who has played 40k knows. Whenever you put one LAS cannon in a tactical <laughs> squad, it's going to miss. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pay, you pay all those points. <laughs> that LAS cannon yeah. will not hit. Regardless of you know how much you need it to hit, it will not hit. So you know the same concept with the rocket launcher. Yeah, it might miss, and that sure yeah, feels bad. But you know that it's going to at least uh, make the rest of the unit more effective in taking down that target. It kind of allows you to say, well, actually, it was this dice that I rolled for the rocket launcher, and it actually did hit, it turns out. <laughs> <Right>. so. <laughs> and I think, it, like you said, it, it changes the mechanic of split fire. It, it makes it you know, more conditional and less of a you know, every single time you need to split fire. So I think that's one thing that's going to change. I think, it, like I was saying before, I think it makes to- uh, the, the core troops a lot more viable. I'm, I'm definitely coming around on wanting to stack more core in there, uh, especially, again, how fragile they are, uh, enable to, so you're able to keep enough weight of bodies on the field to accomplish what you need to. Maybe going, 
having some basic troops just to run around and uh, keep them cheap and you know run them around the board doing the things you need. And for me, that I, I think is. I don't know. I, I like playing with the, the you know more troops more than I like just playing hero you know hero Star Wars. I don't want to just have it to be Darth Vader versus Luke Skywalker and everyone else is expendable, you know, or having just your ATST versus your Snowspeeder, the T forty seven. Yeah, I, I don't want just those elements being important. I want you know, I want the troops on the, on the you know the boots on the ground to make a difference. Yeah, I oh. think we, we all want a much more tactical game. Yeah. So one of the other uh, one of the other things that you know kind of goes along with the troops is uh, the suppression tokens. Now, we got a little bit more clarity on the, you know, the effect that suppression tokens are going to have on units. Yes. Uh, the, I really like the suppression system. A lot of people uh, were kind of freaking out early on when they're like, oh, well, you want to have your guys suppressed all the time because you get a uh, cover one bonus, even if you're not in cover. That's a huge benefit. However, the breaking point, so... Leadership is going to be, or your command is going to be a huge part of that. Luke Skywalker's got Command 3. He passes it to his troops within range, so they become Command 3 as well. One suppression token, you're, you're getting cover one benefits. If you, is it double? And then you're panicking, so if you go up to six tokens on your guys... Yeah, there, there's a so. way to m- mitigate this, but uh, there are also command cards, like Vader has one, that he puts like three tokens on everybody. And that can break them right there. Uh, if you hit your that three threshold, you're also losing one of your actions. So that can be used defensively, offensively. There's definitely ways to game that system. Yeah, it, it seems like suppression. Uh, initially, looking at it before we got these, you know, the hard rules in front of us, it, it, I didn't know how much suppression was going to make a difference. But it really seems like it's going to have a huge impact on how you play the game. I do really like the fact that there's a rally step in there that you don't mm-hmm. have to spend an action to try and remove suppression. Um, that there's a rally step in the activation phase that you roll some dice and you can take. You know, you, that allows you the opportunity to pull to pull suppression off. I, yeah. I, I, I like that a lot better. And you actually you also clear one just straight up in the in the end phase as well so you don't have to worry about them just panicking and running off the board there's ways to mitigate it and uh, Luke Skywalker has a way to pull suppression off of guys too so it's kind of finding that sweet balance you want to maybe have one on there so they're getting the benefits uh, but then there's guys like Vader who have infinite so they're passing on uh, infinite suppression to their guys they don't care uh, the stormtroopers are going to keep soldiering on does that mean that they don't get the benefits of that uh, cover one? I don't think so. I, w- I would assume that if you're not getting any of the negative effects of it. I, I could be wrong on that. <laughs> yeah, I need to check that out. That That's kind of curious. just occurred to me. but. Yeah, if we're reading that wrong and you're listening to us, go ahead and you know feel free to flame us on our, uh, our Facebook page. Like, inform us, correct us, not yeah, flame yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's, it's constructive that. feedback. That's what we like. Community building. <laughs> Josh is growing up, man. Listen, no, to man. Right? Talking about yeah, like constructive feedback. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't even mentioned how much I hate the command and control system in no, this game. Oh, wait a minute. Yo, thanks. Uh, one thing that shocked me in this, and I was completely reading it wrong, was basically, so you've got your unit of troops going back to them. You have your sergeant commander, whatever, the, the unit commander, and basically you use him for all your measuring, checking range, and all that. Mm-hmm. I assumed that uh, that meant that basically all of your extra troops were just wound tokens. They didn't really matter for anything. What I didn't understand is that you actually still have to get line of sight from those troops for them to contribute to an attack pool. Oh, 
Yeah, so if you've got a guy hanging out that's completely blocked off, he's behind a wall while everybody else is out there doing their job, uh, he does not get to contribute to the attack pool. So he's got to be able to see the defender unit to be able to throw his dice into the pool. Now, any unit in there or just the sergeant? So the sergeant is basically you use him to check range. If the sergeant is in range of another unit, the unit gets to fire. Okay. But if I have a guy behind cover that can only see one mini in the the enemy unit, he can still fire. Yeah, he can still fire. That's fine. As long as he can see one model in that defending unit, he can contribute his fire to it. If he can't see anybody, then you're losing his dice. Now, if you can only see that one mini and say you can, you know, shoot him with five different guys and you get, you know, three hits, can you kill more than just that one mini? No, it's just a really bad day for that one guy, (laughs) pretty much. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, you can only kill minis that you have line of sight to. So if one mini, if your entire unit's in cover except for one mini that's kind of poking out and you you push three hits through... Dude got lit up. <laughs> yeah. You got knocked up. Out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also interesting in that is trooper minis do not block line of sight at all. So if you've got a big cluster of guys and one of your guys is hanging out in the back, he ignores those people for drawing line of sight. Okay. But vehicles do block line of sight. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, I don't know how much you're going to be able to block line of sight entirely with the you know chicken legs of the ATST or the ATRT. That's true. When the but, tanks finally hit the field, yeah, that'll I'm be sure that'll they, be something yeah. big. And you could probably, depending on terrain and things like that, you could probably block line of sight with uh, speeder bikes or the T forty seven. One thing I'm pretty excited about reading through the rule book was, uh, if you notice in a few places that they'll say any troops or droids or jet bikes. So, I mean, if there was any question before, we know they're going to be droids coming. That's exciting. I love droids. And uh, tanks, too. It's oh, repulsive tanks. I found so. the rule, by the way, Josh, that you were citing. So oh, okay. During an attack, if line of sight to a mini in the defender is blocked from all minis in the attacker, the mini in the defender cannot suffer wounds. So, yeah, that one guy's going to have a bad day. But yeah. uh, everybody else in the unit who is, I mean, if they're hiding behind a house, that makes sense that they couldn't get, like, the, the magic bullet or blaster bolt from Sucks around the to corner. Be Private Jones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes it a little bit more complicated, but it adds some strategy as to, you know, if you want to move a unit out, do you want to leave one guy back behind that building just so, you know, if that unit gets shot up, you're not going to lose the whole unit? I mean, it adds a little Yeah, a little and then you get into the, the interesting promotion system that they have. So usually you remove wounds from the rest of the unit before you do the unit commander or sergeant. Uh, in that situation, though, you have to actually, if there's only one guy left and he wasn't eligible to be shot and he happens to not be the sergeant, you, well, you got promoted, son. So, <laughs> But, I mean, there's really no, from what I've seen in the rules reference, there's really no disadvantage to nominating a new sergeant. No. Like, like, it's just, okay, it's this guy now. Uh, yeah. there, there's really no... There's no downside. Yeah, I think it's no just a... Aside, uh, aside from movement on the next turn, you know, if you're planning on moving from the sergeant to here, well, now your your movement point starts at a, at a different location. You just got to make sure you keep your red shirts out where they can be shot before the sergeant. So. <laughs> well, it's just like the Army. Anybody can be an NCO, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the and job's yours until you die, or I find somebody better. Uh, so I know with, uh, with these rules changes and everything, first thing I did was download the, you know, Battlescribe updates and... Uh, 
went and checked out some of that stuff, put a couple new lists together. Uh, have you guys played around with the with Battle Scribe at all yet? I haven't played around with anything list building wise, just because I've been too busy with trying to digest the rules. Yeah, just themselves. Tabletop Admirals yeah. got a nice web app that yeah, I, they do. I, I, I mess around with that when I'm looking up stuff. By the way, if you haven't seen Tabletop Admiral, there's uh, there's some threads on the uh, FFG forums about it. Find it. It's awesome. Yeah. It's great. They actually put the card pictures up, yeah, which is really nice it's to reference. really cool. And that's put together by a third party, right? Yeah, it's just oh, yeah. Some, some dude just, uh, and I used to Had that gender. Moxie. No, yeah. yeah. There's there's some person that's out there just doing it on his own. You know, that's, that's the again, the, the great thing about the community is it's filling in all the holes all by themselves. So yeah, and kudos, kudos to FFG for you know allowing that. I guess um, same thing kind of happened with uh, with 40k in Eighth Edition when when that dropped. There was you know some private privately oh, owned, yeah, you know, yeah, some yeah, one individual that. guy put together a really nice army builder app uh, website and you know GW sent him a cease and desist pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to when all the alt art unit cards and acrylic tokens and stuff, well, uh, when that all starts dropping, that's going to be really Oh, cool. there, uh, there's wow. already a ton out there. I saw some really cool ones for like holographic objectives and oh, markers really? and stuff. Nice. Yeah, looked really sweet. But if, you, uh, if you're if looking for something for your mobile app, you know, don't have time to go on the website, um, the Battle Scribe works really well with the, the new Star Wars rules and I've, you know, messed around, put together a few lists here and there just to you know, ha- hammer something out in five minutes, and they do have uh, Leia Organa on there and, and General Veers, but it's not uh, obviously not all their cards because yeah, exactly. we just don't know. We know just like one of each of the command cards, and then a couple of their upper upgrades. But yeah, one thing that I saw in in the rules, and you you kind of you guys kind of touched on it when you said tanks and droids and stuff like that. It also had a, a reference in there to melee units. Yeah, your Wookiee Warriors. Royal Guard. Royal Guard and Wookiees confirmed. (laughs) That's wave three. Here we go. Yeah. (laughs) That'll be really cool to get some some of the Royal Guard out there. It's going to be so much fun. I think watching watching the the new Last Jedi movie, probably my my favorite scene in the movie was the the Royal Guard. That was one of the best fights, period. For a Star Wars movie, it really was. Yeah, I would just, I mean, the the cinematography of it and the you know the fight scene itself was was I think beautifully shot. Well, that about pretty much wraps it up for uh, what we got here today. Anything else you guys want to go over? No, I think I'm good. I, I, I want to go back and reread this rule book because I know I've probably gotten stuff wrong. So, and, gonna... and you know, feel free to give us feedback. You know, check us out on our, our Facebook page and the Legion Outrider podcast. Uh, what's our uh, Twitter handle? So our Twitter handle is at Legion Outriders. Um, if you're looking for us on Facebook, we're um, facebook.com slash Legion Outriders. Um, and we also have, uh, you're also on Reddit as, uh, I, I believe it is you slash Legion Outriders. Um, so yeah, we're, we're out there, we're, you know, and we're more than happy to talk to you and engage. And, and you know, we're, we're fans just like you guys are. So, All right, thanks a lot. See you next week. You've been listening to the Legion Outriders podcast. For more from the Outriders, make sure you like us on Twitter at Legion Outriders, subscribe to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Legion Outriders, and make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home.